Are you critically insane, have a lot of excess money, or even better, both? Then you can support this podcast by clicking on the ACAR support button. You can give as rarely and as little as you want, which, judging by the quality of this, I'm sure you're wanting to do. Since the publishing of the last episode, Chadwick Boseman, most well-known for bringing the role of Black Panther to screens, and many more people around the world than arguably comics ever could, passed away at the age of 43 from colon cancer. He supposedly was fighting this for almost half a decade, and while struggling with what can, not not can be, but is an awful condition to have, continued to make films and provide joy to many. So instead of playing some Batman-related music at the start of this episode, I've decided to just have a moment's silence instead. Hello and welcome to a PhD student reads episode 7, focusing on Batman volume 9, Bloom. Um, sorry for the slight delay on this episode, might as well get that out of the way first. Turns out that doing a PhD is actually quite a time-consuming endeavour, and I left making the script a bit too late. Lesson learned. And we'll be back to the normal publishing schedule of midnight on the 19th um, next month. Also, the next Batman volume is quite a lot shorter, so it wouldn't take this long to get through. Um, but anyway, back to the topic at hand, Batman Volume 9, Bloom. It's got a large creative team, although as DC wants to do, they don't all make it onto the front cover, but uh, we've got Scott Snyder, James Tinian IV, Craig Capullo, Danny Mickey, Yannick Paquette, Sean Murphy, SCO Basincia, Nathan Fairburn, Matt Hollingsworth and Steve Wands. It was published by DC Comics on the 13th of September 2016 and collects Batman issues 46 to 50 and Detective Comics 27. That super heavy parts 6 to 10 and an interesting side story we'll get to later. Um, yeah. Spoilers ahead, obviously. I realise I think in the past few I haven't said that and then just ruined the book in its entirety for 20 to 30 minutes. And that's not very fair, I suppose. But the warning has been said now, so uh, you can't get mad. So we pick up the story where Volume 8 left off. Mr. Bloom is attacking the Powers Conference, the one where Jim was asked to resign. Um, but, well, the attack puts that plan uh, on hold. And the uh, and Jim Gordon, the Batman of Gotham City at the moment, takes a shot at him with his Batarang gun, but inevitably fails to take him down. But luckily, Julia Pennyworth is there in the Bat Blimp and activates the Electromagnet that was initially used to hold the rookie robots um, underneath. 
and drags Bloom out of there via the seeds within him. But this is only like two pages in, so of course he escapes. We cut to Bruce and Julia Manson having an emotional chat in the bathroom. Like when Bruce is showering here, it's only been three months since Bruce became an amnesiac and therefore perhaps slightly less time that they have been a couple. But Bruce, being the charmer that he is, asks Julia to marry him in a bathroom, no one knee or anything, he just no ring, he just says it. Initially she says no, not because she doesn't want to, but because he's got a past and well, everyone in Gotham's got a past, I suppose. Except this Bruce, arguably. He does not have a past, because he's forgotten it. But Bruce, being, uh, being such a charmer, woos her into the shower with him for a nice make-out session, I presume. But it's important to say, he doesn't actually say yes. I don't think. I mean, I looked at it. I mean, she seems happy enough. But he doesn't say yes. Oh, well. We turn our attention then to the third pillar of the Scott Snyder run, Duke Thomas. He's taken up the mantle of Robin and, after some help from Daryl in the previous volume, is on the hunt for more information on Mr. Bloom. This has led him to the Iceberg Lounge with the help of some birds, manages to break inside, open a drawer, find a book and read a shocking revelation. But we can't find this out just yet because, of course, it is still issue one and Jerry Powers is showing Jim that his robotic suit of armour was not the only one her company had built. There are big ones, small ones, and giant ones. One that uh, Jim amusingly calls Batzilla. I wonder if that will be important later on. Spoilers. Um, she tells Jim that, she, that his Batman was just the prototype. She plans to deck out the entire GCPD in militarised armour, I suppose, but Jim isn't keen on this and wants one final chance to go it alone, take down Bloom and not, well, militarise the GCPD. And so he does. Bruce, meanwhile, is looking after the children. Uh, he's clearly quite poor at this because, if you remember, uh, Duke took the Bloom seed that Jim gave him way back in the last volume uh, but a drawing of Bloom by a child finally gets Bruce to check the, check the drawer, and lo and behold, the seed is gone. Speak of the devil, Duke Thomas has been spotted by the penguin, a BDSM black mask, the ventriloquist, and a guy that looks like a pale thumb with pointy teeth. Later on it says his name's Mr. White, but I have no idea who that is. I'm not entirely sure if that's the black mask either. It's a guy in a black mask. But, well, it's more like a black mask a gimp would wear rather than... Well, when I think of black mask, I don't think of that. But luckily, Duke's bird friends come in handy once more and he escapes. I should probably point out that these are actual birds and not other robins, because at the time this story was written, there was that whole robin collective thing going on. But now these are actual birds, avian creatures with wings, that right. Uh, we then go back to Jim on a giant chopper. Imagine Ghost Rider, but without flames and war robot. Uh, we get some history of Gotham 
the importance of Blossom Row, how that the tie between the rich and the poor sides of Gotham and how that might and that's where Bloom might be hiding out and he is Bloom is tracked down but he takes control of the rookie robot uh, lays the smack down on the fledgling Batman and we get some Batman versus Batsuit action that sadly results in the death of a rookie oh bunny robot we hardly knew you and you look like a robot rabbit more than that but whatever but this robot bunny suit has one last trick up its sleeve a blocker for mr bloom's seeds this just makes bloom a tall thin weak man kind of unlike myself uh, and well he's apprehended cut back to duke who who uh, is saved by some of penguin's goons by uh, Bruce Wayne, um, yeah. This the next bit gets a bit. It's a bit weird. Duke is giving Bruce an earful about how he's Batman and should be helping people and shouldn't just be this Bruce Wayne helping kids. Um, he asks the pair of them to stand in front of an on an oncoming train, and uh, is basically just screaming at Bruce. It's like, what do you see? What do you see? Unsurprisingly, Bruce is a giant bat. Um, and that panel, I give the uh, you know illustrious award of panel of the show. It's the two of them silhouetted against a giant bat with bright white eyes. It's it's very cool. It's a bit, as I say, it's a bit weird. And I never would have taken Duke to be the crazy type to do that sort of thing. He seems quite level-headed. I guess not here. You really want Batman back. Jim is uh, calling off on the back bus. And in the meanwhile, about to unmask Mr. Bloom and put this whole thing to bed when a bunch of folks dressed as Bloom break in and free him. I'd probably like to add here that I pref much prefer the original design of Mr. Bloom at the start of the super heavy arc, just a tall, thin guy, rather than this sort of giant spindly creature he becomes throughout the volume i think yes i know batman's a bit off the wall at times but i prefer my batman rose to be somewhat grounded in reality i think it just would have been a bit cooler if mr bloom himself was just a normal guy who was doing his evil work by giving these seeds to bad people, kind of like just the penguin, an arms dealer, really, but with seeds, and just that, not with a weird giant plant creature. He's himself. This is what we got. Anyway, after his misadventures with the train, Bruce is sitting on a bench, the same bench he was first revealed at the end of issue one, which I didn't like, but we're back there. And we get another reveal. The Joker is also alive. He too is an amnesiac. Imagine the plot line from the animated Harley Quinn show that was on DC Universe, which now doesn't exist. It's on HBO Max. I think it's on E4 in the UK. Or on perhaps some less legal websites. If one is wanton to do that. Um, 
they debate the merits of staying who you are and reinventing yourself rather than trying to find out who they used to be. Um, at this point, Bruce is starting to put together that he is the Caped Crusader, or pretty much after Duke just basically yelled at him that he is Batman and saw a giant bat that was a train. And or Jim told him he was a great detective back in the last volume. It's hardly a secret. I mean, I know Alfred didn't tell him, but I feel like even I, and I'm not the most intelligent man on the planet, could figure out that I was Batman from all of this information that was given to me. We go back to Mr. Bloom and the Bat Bus for a while. He's taken Jim hostage. And by this point, Bloom is the size of a five-storey building, if not bigger. So please refer to my previous comment about how I preferred him being a normal-sized, normal-proportioned human being. I guess we haven't seen underneath the mask. Maybe he isn't a human being. Perhaps he's, I don't know, an alien. He announces that Gotham is going to form this Tuesday night and everyone should rise up become their own hero by taking one of the thousands of seeds he's hidden throughout the city. People seem to love this idea and are rooting around in bins and looking through plants and whatnot to find these seeds. I guess they're unaware of the severe body deformities that they seem to cause. The giant heads, the Doctor Death-like physique. Speaking of these deformities that people seem very unaware of, one of the children at Julia's refuge has taken one of these seeds and she wants to rise up and become the Batman that Gotham needs. It doesn't go so well and she explodes. Uh, but this, this explosion is needs to return to the life of being the world's greatest detective and returns to Wayne Manor to confront and now sobbing Alfred, who has figured out what he's here to do. Now, I understand that Alfred cares about Bruce and doesn't want to see him come to harm, but the Alfred I've picture in my head isn't someone who would watch a city burn just to sort of get his own way. His own way being... The, uh, his surrogate son being a happy, relatively normal individual. So the fact that he's sobbing and he's so against Bruce becoming Batman doesn't really ring true for me, but maybe that's just me. Maybe I haven't seen enough Alfred interpretations, but he is more against Bruce being Batman. And I know, you know it's been highlighted before in the Scott Snyder run that, especially in uh, the Zero Year volumes, that Alfred isn't happy with what's going on, but he knows it's sort of the right thing to do. I don't know. But anyway, this brings us to Super Heavy Part 9, arguably my favourite issue of the entire arc, and this volume. As predicted, the machine hinted at in volume 8, the one with all the Batman memories and makes the Batman clones or whatever, is exactly what is needed to get Bruce back to the man he used to be. Yannick Paquette and Nathan Fairburn take over art duties here 
and whilst it's a bit jarring or a change in style this late in the arc, then just for a single issue, the bright colours and more animated style I think really suit the nature of this issue. So by activating the machine we get different versions of Batman in Bruce's head with the fiery progress being on this Batman dressed all in white with like a gold trim drives a I've written down in my notes here a general grievous single wheel speeder bike. So if you remember in Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, General Grievous, General Grievous has like a speeder bike that's a single wheel. Imagine that. And that's exactly what it is. We also get a Batman that is Jim Gordon, but not like the Jim Gordon Batman we see in Super Heavy. Imagine more like the Adam West Batman with a moustache, there's that, there's a Batman whose Bat family is the Batman rogues, there's a Batman that looks more like Batman Beyond, but every time the machine fails to transplant the memories these Batmen die in a rather horrific way, the uh, white and gold Batman sort of gets killed by these energy dinosaurs, arguably not a pleasant way to go, but Bruce deduces that in order to succeed he must die. So the innocent Bruce Wayne uh, can no longer be around in order for the more revengeful Bruce to exist. So much like when Joe Chill killed Bruce's parents, that killed that innocent Bruce Wayne, Alfred is not willing to become the Joe Chill of this scenario and kill the innocence of Bruce. But luckily Juliet Madison shows up and just knows that she can. Presses the button. So rest in peace, kind-hearted Bruce. And long live Batman. After taking down some of Bloom's goons, the two Batmen, Bruce and Jim, have little catch-up. But not two seconds later, Mr. Bloom unleashes a giant energy pulse that is described as a strange star. Whatever. I mean, I'm no physicist, but is that a real thing? I mean, I could have Googled it. I didn't. But that, is that real? It doesn't seem real. Whether he set this thing off in Gotham, it's going to destroy Gotham so he can basically regrow it, start Gotham anew from the soil. Lots of plant related check. Um, Duke Thomas is making revelations of his own. Remember that side story from the last volume I liked a lot about the boy who fell out the sky? Well, that turns out. That was Daryl's cousin, the one who Batman spoke to. And he is none other than the original designer of the seeds. He was doing it for a more benevolent sort of way to make these seeds, to make people more powerful and get to stand up for themselves against the tyranny of Gotham. But he couldn't quite get the seeds to work. And Mr. Bloom is somehow his Frankenstein's monster. He doesn't quite know who Mr. Bloom is, whether it's a man or a woman. I mean, it's Mr. Bloom, so I guess the clue is in the name. Maybe it's a Mulan situation. Who knows? Daryl has also got a seed in him and undergoes his own big head mode transformation. But Duke manages to take him out with a slight electric shock and a swift kick to the back of the neck. Uh, whilst in turn taking command of the back blimp that they are, they find themselves in. I guess blimps aren't that hard to drive, fly, 
float. And it's everyone in Gotham is just incredibly intelligent. But alas, whilst this is happening, Batman, Bruce Wayne that is, is having his first showdown with Mr. Bloom. And whilst initially Batman has the upper hand, of course he doesn't, and uh, Bloom takes control of more rookie robot suits, but gives them a Batman rogues gallery makeover. We've got a Penguin bot, a Killer Croc bot, a Scarecrow bot, a Harley Quinn bot, and another one, which I cannot quite place. It's sort of orange and green. So if anybody knows, please do send me a tweet, just so for my own well-being, really. Uh, Twitter handle, at PhDReads, small p, small d. That's not right. Oh, well, I'll look it up on my phone, so when I say it at the end of the show, it's correct. Is there a Joker bot? Of course there is. It's the Batzilla bot from from previous. It's from previously in the, the volume. And it's massive. But do we see Batman fight any of these? No, of course not. We just next time we see Batman, he's taken over the Joker bot and given it a grey Batman makeover. Although clearly this rejuvenated Batman, even though Alfred says he's in the best shape of his life, needs a bit of practice as Bloom gets the upper hand once again, but with an assist from Duke in the sky, gets the win. Gothamites start to see that Batman is back, and this restores hope to the city. People start taking out their seeds. There's one, one guy bites through his skin to get it out, which I think is a... Surely there's a better way to do that. Use a knife, scissors, something, not one's own mouth. Anyway, that's beside the point. Sorry for the uh, awkward pauses. I'm trying to find the uh, show's Twitter account so I can read it out later. Anyway, um, so Jim has been on a mission of his own, stopping the strange star, which may or may not be real in real life. He's using the Batamanium introduced in the last volume and the Sea Blocker introduced earlier in this volume to shut down Bloom and get him sucked into the star. Gotham is saved and it turns out Jim Gordon is the real hero. That's not really that surprising seeing as this is his arc, as you know, it's been entirely about him. The last few pages act as epilogue of the story, resetting the established status quo, Jim back as commissioner, Bruce back as Batman, and also hints at Duke becoming the signal. Paquette and Fairburn are back with art and colours respectively here, and it doesn't quite work as well as the issue prior. This is a lot more jarring. I think the more outlandish. Um, well, this is great listening to just silence as I try and think of the word I want. Oh, God. Let's just go with cartoony. The more cartoony style of these two together doesn't, it just doesn't work as well in a more grounded setting, I don't think. And now this is exemplified by one panel where Bruce Wayne looks like Captain Cork from the Ratchet and Clank series, aka he has an absolutely massive head. Imagine, well, Captain Quark from Ratchet and Clank, as I just said, this enormous head. Um, but that's the end of Super Heavy, but not the end of the volume. It wraps up with 
an interesting side story focused on the effects of the infinite Batman machine. Bruce figured out that each Batman has got 27 years of being effective. So at 25 years, a new, young Batman Bruce Wayne clone is produced. And the story kicks off with a new Bruce Wayne being born and faced with the old previous Bruce Wayne, whose tenure as Batman and arguably Bruce Wayne is coming to an end. And whilst initially reticent about becoming the new Batman, the short story shows that Bruce is Batman and will always rise up to save his city. Sean Murphy and Matt Hollingsworth are on art duty here and it looks fantastic. It's very different to the previous issues in this volume. Much more pencilly, angular, scratchy, I think is a really good way to describe it. But it's definitely a style I would love to see more of. And if I see Sean Murphy's name on anything in the future, I'll definitely cast my eyes upon it. We also get to see some more alternate Batman costumes here. They're all future based. Um, as at one point they say that this is 200 years of the Batman. So if you imagine if each Batman is um, 27 years and ran to 30 for these maths, this is the sixth, sixth or seventh Bruce Wayne to come along. Um, so after Super Heavy Part 9, I'd say this is the best issue of the volume. So I'm not sure what that says about the rest of the volume, but the side story is as good as the best issue of the volume. But it is just my own opinion. Um, at the end of the volume, as always, we get some variant covers. I guess this was published around the time of Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice, as they're all focused upon that. And they're all okay. I think it's clear with this run that the actual covers by Greg Capullo are better than any of the variant covers. Which, I mean at the time, I think if I was buying them in single issues, I think I'd just go and look for the, the actual cover rather than any of these variants. But that's it. That is the end of Volume 9, Bloom. Next month is the final Scott Snyder volume, volume 10, epilogue. I have it in my possession already, and you'll be disappointed to hear it's another anthology volume, much like volume 6. So this is the end of the story, I guess. The status quo has been reset. I guess now we're going to get a bunch of side stories that fit in various points throughout the entire run, I presume. I doubt they're all set afterwards, but I guess we'll find out in one month's time. So thank you very much for listening, you crazy people that clearly have nothing better to do with your time. You can follow the show on Twitter at PhDReads. Capital P, capital R. That's what I was trying to remember earlier. So all lowercase, except the P and the R. Yes. Um, the little, the profile picture is the uh, the cover of the show. So that's how you know 
you found it. You'll also find it because it's got currently two followers and barely any tweets. But that is what it is. You can support the show if you want financially, which I imagine you don't because the show is not great and arguably not worth supporting financially. But if you really want to, you can click on the link in the description or by visiting shows.acast.com slash phd-student-reads and clicking the support this show link at the bottom. Again, apologies for the delay. And I think I will end the show with a short piece of Black Panther music as a uh, ode to Chadwick Boseman. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. country